Welcome to Costume Station Zero. I'm Bob Mitch, and today I'm joined by Amanda Winter, who people might remember from Gallifrey One or Comic Con as uh, a vampire of Venice with very special teeth, uh, Rose Tyler without a face, uh, or uh, many other different uh, Doctor Who and non-Doctor Who characters. So welcome. Hey, hello. <laughs> um, so I like to, to jump to the beginning. Uh, what first got you into costuming? Um, I've always loved doing costumes since I was a kid. We used to do. We used to do. Big, go big for Halloween, you know, like we'd work on stuff and, you know, I was always really excited about uh, making things and my, my, had a, my grandfather was a, a tailor and my, my mom was really big into sewing and so it was always kind of like around me and, you know, I did sewing in high school, I, we did a club which later turned into, um, I got it petitioned to turn the club into an actual class. So we got the class turned into, um, the, the club turned into an actual sewing class for my, my senior year. So I left that sort of legacy and, um, so I've been doing costumes since before I can remember. I've always just liked the fantasy of it and I've always been like a big movie buff and I love creatures and, and costumes and makeup and the fantasy and the art of it. So, you know, that sort of just took me into it. How old were you when you started? Um... I think my first con actual con well, I've been going to Comic Con since I was thirteen. My uh, I have an uncle who's really into all this stuff, and he's a he's a big nerd. And uh, he took me to my first Comic Con when I was thirteen, and I think that was actually my first time outside of like Halloween dressing up at a convention. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I loved it. I mean, I went. I, I made. A, I think I made like a, a silly little zombie costume for myself, and I ripped up some clothes, and I put blood everywhere, and I darkened my eyes, and. You know, it's, I've deleted all the pictures of it because it was pretty bad, but... <laughs> well, we all start somewhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, have to, you have to own that. Yep, mm -hmm. so... <laughs> uh, so you would consider that your first costume, or, or yeah. what would you... Okay. Um, uh, after that, my first actual, like, um, this is a pre-existing character, and I'm going to make it, um, is actually from... It was from an old anime called Ranma, mm -hmm. uh, one half, and I, I, I made a little Chinese suit, and I, I did the pants, and I made a little braid and a hair, and I did the makeup and all that, and we went to a convention, and then I started off going to anime conventions and doing a lot of, like, animes and, uh, uh video games and stuff, and the last couple of years I've really morphed more into, like, uh, like, more American, Western, uh, European-type cultural... Uh, movies and TV shows and really into the Doctor Who and, and all that stuff. So it's it's sort of been a, an interesting progress from like anime cosplay to, mm -hmm. you know, American costume. <laughs> Live action costume. Live action costume. Aside, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, stepping briefly to Doctor Who before we get back to this, uh, what got you into Doctor Who? I've actually been watching Doctor Who since I was a kid. My parents used to watch it together. Um, 
since they they were young and they loved it. And uh, when I was young, I didn't actually understand it all that well. And mm-hmm. I I always I. I think my very first memory of Doctor Who, and I don't really remember which doctor it was, um, but I just remember the doctor coming out of a giant, um, like a snail shell or something, like a giant conch, and it was like a very vague memory. It was like my first actual... Oh, uh, Claws of Access. Yeah, Doctor's and they're like on an mm-hmm. island or something, or there's, yeah. And uh, and I always used to think, gosh, what show, and I never knew that, it, I didn't actually know it was Doctor Who mm-hmm. until I hit about 14 and I actually started going back and rewatching a lot of them. And I, and... Um, and I realized that, you know, I asked my mom about it, and I was like, what was that show? And she said, oh, it's Doctor Who. And I was like, I had no idea. And I think that was what got me to start rewatching it again. And I, I was really in love with the third Doctor, um, John Pertwee, because uh, me and I had a grandfather who looked looked and, and acted just like him. And it was <laughs> it was always really weird. We used to make fun of him, and he didn't know what it was. We would just call him the Doctor, and he was just kind of a little bit like, what? I'm not a doctor. But he didn't have the wardrobe you could borrow. No, he wasn't quite as dapper. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no frilled shirts, no, no velvet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so you came in kind of, I'm, I'm assuming, during the wilderness years, PBS kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. My parents had a lot of taped... Um, a lot, there was a little bit of it was live, but a lot of it was that my parents used to tape the shows. So okay. we had like boxes of VHSs, which like vanished over the years when we moved, and, and now I think they're all gone, so I'll have to... But but yeah, I was I was grown up with those VHSs and that was that was a good memories. Yeah yeah, well that's what the DVDs are for now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, okay, so you, you started uh, with, with things like anime and, and zombies. As, as you get older, um, what kind of costumes were, were you doing? I know you've done a lot of creatures and, and monsters and stuff like that. Um, I started off doing, um, and I, I I personally like I don't think that there's really a limit to what. Um, someone can cosplay sort of thing uh, or costume as like I you know I, I don't see I, I like I'll, I'll do girls I'll do guys I don't mind doing an older or a bald or you know wigs and makeup and and monsters and things like that and I just see it as kind of like a challenge and mm-hmm. I like I like challenges especially if it's a makeup challenge I love doing like special effects type things mm-hmm. so um, I started dabbling in in um, changing ages and changing gender and, ch- and then I started getting into more like non-human and um, recently I've been learning prosthetics and like I'm really loving that so um, it, it's really gone from like cartoony animes to and then I started moving into like Star Trek and then I moved towards uh, more American cartoons like we did Venture Brothers and I was Dr. Girlfriend mm-hmm. and we did um, a lot more of the American. I did Coraline and we experimented with the button eyes and I found a way to pad the buttons so I could glue them to my eyes and still be able to see through the holes. And like, that was a fun little, mm-hmm. um, experience walking around Comic-Con and people would get really, you know, freaked out by it. And, you know, it, it's just, it's an interesting to see people's reactions. I think that's one of my favorite things about doing something really crazy is getting to see people's reactions and kind of proving that like there kind of really isn't a limit. Like it's just as far as your imagination can take you sort of thing. Sure. I mean, of course you run into things like size limits. Like one of the creatures I've always really, really wanted to do it from Doctor Who was actually um, the giant spider arachnid woman from... Um, Tenet, I want to say, and Donna. Uh, the uh, Runaway Bride. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I've always really wanted to do it, and I found out how to do it, and I did this research, but there's just no feasible way to get that into a convention and walk around <laughs> in it. And <laughs> like, even if I scaled it down, like with all the legs and just the wideness of it, mm-hmm. 
it just is not possible. Mm-hmm. So this, that, yeah, that's a stage only costume. Yeah, and yeah. it's kind of like sad because I I won't I don't want to make costumes that I can only wear on stage because mm-hmm. to me like the excitement is really running around and interacting with people and kind of getting in character. I think as a vampire. It was one of my best memories at Gallifrey was uh, I'd walk down the escalator and there's a Dalek there and the Dalek was like challenging me to a fight. And so like we kind of had like a, f- a fight off or something in that in the hallway, mm-hmm. like in character. Right. And it was like people were gathered around and and all this other stuff. And the, the Dalek's just like, oh, vampire exterminate, you know, mortal enemy must. And like it had this whole little thing and we like mm-hmm. bantered a bit and we went back and forth like we were going to fight. And then uh, more Daleks showed up. So like I scampered and, and <laughs> everyone was like laughing and they thought it was and, like that's those little moments like mm-hmm. you don't get that if you only do stage costumes oh yeah 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 the unplanned stuff totally. yeah yeah and so. you miss the interaction mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i love that yeah a lot a lot of my friends tend to prefer the hall cosplay to uh, masquerade cosplay mm-hmm. i think there's merits to both of course i yeah. don't want to slant one or the other but i definitely land more in, in the hall cosplay mostly because you have the freedom to wear um you know more or less what you want to wear when you want to wear it you know, mm-hmm. with the masquerade, you're kind of planning your day around it, and and some some like Comic Con insist you can't wear it on the floor before the con- before the contest. And I, I understand their thinking, but it kind of sucks. It's like really limits your exposure for something you put so much time into. Um, so yeah, I, I can agree with that. Uh, now, you said you do um, you know male and female characters. I've seen you uh, crossplay. Do you consider that crossplay, or you just you just kind of put a blanket over everything. I just want to do every character that appeals to me. Um, I, I consider it as I just do whatever character appeals to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't can really consider it. Like, I I don't consider it... I mean, it, it can be technical. On the technical terms, it can be considered crossplay, but I don't consider it any more crossplay than it would be, like, cross-species. You might as well just make up a term for making, you know, dressing up as a monster, dressing up as a robot. Like, mm-hmm. you might just add, as well, just add on things to it. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't see the point in that, so I just consider it all costume because you know, there's really no difference to me. It's just, you know, contouring and learning how to do stippling and laying in hair. And, you know, when you're doing beards, like, it's no different than, like, someone who's doing a cat nurse. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. like, you're laying in it. It's learning how to use that kind of um, house. I mean, you could get a flocking gun, but those are, like, a thousand-something dollars. Or you can buy fake beards, but those can be in the hundreds. You can learn how to paint them on or, mm-hmm. you know, learn different other ways. And so I just I just see it as costumes. So, regardless of what gender or species you do, do you keep your own casting in mind when deciding on a character? Yeah, I like to pick, like, there are definitely, there's always characters I want to be, but I'm, I, if I'm physically, um, really different from a character, I will be less inclined to, to Mm -hmm. cosplay that person, um, or whatever it is, just because it's sort of like a thing in my head. Like, I don't mind if anyone else does it, but just for me, like, there's certain things that I'm really like um stringent on or very strict with for myself and like it it's very satisfying to do all the character makeup for rose for example and Mm -hmm. then do it all and look in the mirror and go that looks like billy piper or looks like someone who looks like it or to do legolas you know Mm -hmm. and i do the makeup for it i put the wig on and the ears and you look in the mirror and you go i could be that could be orlando bloom and like that to me is really another one of the big satisfying features Mm -hmm. and i've done costumes in the past where i didn't feel like i looked like the character Mm -hmm. and it bugged me all day and so, like, now I'm at the point where, like, as I will almost always only do those characters as a favor to a friend. Mm-hmm. But I mostly don't like to pick characters that I don't feel like I look like. If I'm too skinny or if I'm too big or if I'm, like, not tall enough. Like, you can you can make yourself taller. I've, I figured out how to build platforms inside of boots. You buy boots that are bigger and you put, um, like, car- car- craft foam and, and cardboard in it and you give yourself an extra couple inches. Right. But you can't make yourself be someone who's really short. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I would do it for a friend, but it would bug me all day that I'm, like, 
an extra like two foot or tall, you know, two taller than the character is. So, sure, sure. You know, I've always wanted to be a dwarf from I thought it'd be like really cool to to, to do a dwarf from like mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings sort mm-hmm. of thing. You know, like and no one's ever done Gimli and like I really like Legolas and I like I like I actually love doing characters that are pretty, but I also love characters that are kinda ugly too. Like mm-hmm. I think that's kind of fun. Kind of run the gamut. Yeah, mm-hmm. so but the thing is is like I'm just not big enough. I'm just not like a big burly man enough to be Gimli. Like I can pass off Legolas who kind of looks like a woman, but like Gimli's just a bit much for me and like the beard and all that other and like it's prosthetics and like there's just some things like you can't I can't do mm-hmm. so well you could always consider like a fat suit or something yeah but like it gets into the point where like if I have to put that much effort into it like mm-hmm. I'd rather put that much effort into like a more elaborate like a creature mm-hmm. sort of thing right. so if it becomes to the point where like just doing this this human character that's not actually that shouldn't be that big when it comes to the point where like it's a huge effort to do this costume i'd rather put that effort and money like i said into doing like a creature or something fun sure that. okay so uh what what caused the transition from doing uh, anime characters to live action sounds like star trek was your first uh live action star trek i think was my first i'm sure there was a one or two others before it but i don't really remember um but um, I don't know, like, I just, I got older, and I used to watch a lot of anime, but it got to the point where I, it became less exciting, and then I got bored with it, and then I started getting annoyed with it, and then it became not challenging mentally enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's not meant to be, like, sci-fi has a lot of of that sort of, you have to kind of think to follow, and sort of got to, like, kind of get, you, you you end up having to guess, like, you're, you're sitting the whole time, well, what's, what if this happens, what if that happens, like, I don't think, like, I get that when I watch animes and things like that, mm-hmm. so I get kind of bored, and I started thinking, like, oh, it would be really fun to do Star Trek instead, and, mm-hmm. you know, the new reboot movie came out, and the reason that actually happened was because I had, it got to the point where, like, I think six or seven people had told me, oh, did you know you look like Chris Pine? Oh, and I was like, no, I don't. I'm a girl. I don't look like Chris Pine. And they were like, no, really. And so I was like, all right, all right, let's let's do a makeup test. Let's mm-hmm. do a thing. And like at that point, my sh- my hair had been really short, so I like trimmed it up a little bit, and I you know did some color in it, and I did a makeup test, and I looked at myself in the mirror, and I went, oh, I can't pass this up. <laughs> I have to try. Okay. And I had another group of friends who'd already they they had like the whole you know Scotty and Chekhov and and Sulu, and I had all of them. Mm-hmm. And they, they really needed a Kirk. And I was like, I guess I have to. And then I did it. It was actually such a fun costume to run around in. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun interacting with everyone. And I don't know what it is about doing Star Trek, but everybody at the convention loves interacting with Kirk and his oh, yeah. crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no matter what convention you go to, Kirk became one of those costumes that was just too much fun to not do. Yeah, so it's a good go-to for uh-huh. you. Uh-huh. And, mm-hmm. like, and I started experimenting with other like more uh, American things, and I realized like with those, you get a lot more people who will interact with you, and it's a lot more like kind of fun and you get to banter a little more and you get into some more intelligent conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that, you know, anime fans are not intelligent. Um, it's just that it's a, it's a younger audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's the difference between, you know, a lot, a lot of 14, 16, you know, whatever. And the mindsets of someone who's like more in their thirties or their forties, you know, interesting. Huh. So not so much you're saying a lack of interaction, but just a, a different quality of interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've okay. always been more inclined to enjoy myself talking to like uh, a more uh, older uh, or mature, um, as in like you know, thirties, forties, you know, at least ten, twenty years older than me, mm-hmm. um, group of people. Just because I'm, I'm kind of like a little old fashioned. I'm in that mindset. 
And so it, it, it's hard for me to keep up, like, not to sound like an old woman, but it's hard for me to keep up with the youngins these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, and, uh, you're, you're hardly uh, uh, an oldie yourself. You I know. know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I guess it's all a matter of perception. It's all relative. What else were you doing before you got to Doctor Who? Um, so we did Star Trek, Lord of the Rings. Um, Comic-Con was actually what started me doing more American. Because I realized, like, nobody knows who you are if you cosplay an anime at Comic-Con. Back when I was first doing Comic-Con, before it became really popular and everyone mm -hmm. goes now. So it was sort of one of those things where, like, it's not really fun to work really hard on a costume, go to a convention, and have no one who you are. True. So I would start doing more American. So I did, like I said, I did Coraline. I did Legolas. I did Venture Brothers. We did, um, Star Trek, um... And uh, more creatures. Um, I loved. I loved doing zombies, and we started doing original. Like, um, I experimented with vampires, and, and learned how to. I started learning how to make the teeth, and I was kind of experimenting with character characters that have those teeth, and um, it just sort of got into video games. It, it actually went from anime to video games, mm -hmm. and I, you know, and then um, it's still more anime video games, things like Tales of Symphonia and Tales of Abyss, and then it became Star Trek, and then it became more American stuff. Like, I started doing Zelda, and I did Midna from mm -hmm. the new Twilight Princess game, and I did the whole, I did a bodysuit and airbrushing and teeth and fangs and contact, everything. And then that kind of progressed into a little bit higher, and it, it finally got to the point where I was, you know, I went to my first Doctor Who convention, um, which was Gallifrey, and that was two years ago. Um, and... I had wanted to do, I didn't, I didn't have anything. I was like, well, I guess I'll do Jack because, you know, like the coat was easy to get and the costume was easy to get and I had the hair and I, you know, it was really easy because um, it was only like a month before the convention when I decided because I didn't even heard that there was a Doctor Who convention. Oh, okay. And so my friend uh, uh, April um, was like, well, there's this Doctor Who convention we're going to and you should come with. And so we were watching the new series and the vampires came on. And mm -hmm. I said, there's a really easy costume that I bet I could do that nobody else has done yet mm -hmm. at the extreme of actually going and making the acrylic teeth and doing everything. So I said, I want to do that. And so me and my friend April, we made the costumes in like a week or two. And uh, I ended up spending, and that was my first experience with like trying to tea dye uh cotton i seriously was like 10 hours trying to get that the right color oh That's, right to so bring it down and that yeah, dress yeah. is a nightmare and they didn't have the right color cotton so i literally had to buy white and then dye it and then it was dying in different colors and patches and i it was it was an experiment so I finally got it right and i i did the custom teeth and the teeth took about a day for each set um because I'm, it has to be hands like you had the the sculpting it takes and getting it fine-tuned and stuff is it's hard because the material is very it's a powder you mix with a liquid, and then it it turns into like a, a very liquidy goo, and mm -hmm. then as it um, cures, it sh starts to get more like dough, and then it hardens, and you have a very like like short amount of time to mm -hmm. get it like this tooth done, and then the next tooth done, and then you know it might not fit your teeth, so you have to remold it, and then you know it um, depending on how hot or cold it is, it'll cure faster or slower, yes. which can make yes. it more difficult, and mm -hmm. then so with a full thing of teeth. You're, you're doing each tooth, and then on top of that, you have to sand it down with a Dremel and get each tooth correctly. Let's say you accidentally sand one down because you slipped. You have to remake that stuff again, add on to it, then sand it down again, make sure it's the right color, mm -hmm. and tops and bottoms. And so, like, that was um, – and recently, like, within the last week, I found out a new way to do the teeth, which is way easier than what I've been doing, and it was, like, painful to find out. What got you started doing teeth then? Um 
Beyond the interest in doing the vampire character. I actually worked at a haunted house since I was at 14 in Mira Mesa in San Diego called Monster Manor um, for about seven or eight years. And while I was working there, um, it's all people, uh, human people, actors. There's no matronics or anything like that. And they're very big on like acting as opposed to like jumping out and going boo Mm -hmm. or like having the chainsaws. Like we don't believe in any of that. So it was very big on acting and building these rooms and making these costumes and doing the prosthetics and the makeup. You know, one year we had a cave with running water. Like, it was a very big project. And Mm. so the guy that was doing all the makeup, his name was Jeff Barkley. And he's a very talented makeup artist. Um, You know, he's worked on a lot of smaller films. And he does all kinds of stuff. And he's, you know, he's really good at what he does. And I... I, I always watched him make these masks and these teeth and I was fascinated by it. And, you know, so one time I said, you know, please, please teach me or can I like at least show me. So he, he sat me down and he told me how to do it. And um, he made me a pair of teeth. And then I, I started making my own and I experimented by making teeth for all my friends. And I since then, I've, I've looked at the teeth I made for my first couple and they're like really painful to look at because they're right. just... Like the zombie from when you were a kid. Oh, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, like I told all, like I, I pretty much have gone back to all the people who I made teeth with originally who were my friends and I've made them new sets because I don't want them wearing the old ones and having people see them. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, and it helps like my mom's also a dentist. So I get a lot of the materials for cheap, which is why I'm able to charge so cheap for my commissions because mm-hmm. usually they can run for a simple pair of vampire teeth, three, four hundred dollars. And I only charge 50 for a pair of just regular you know, vampire with stat type teeth. Mm-hmm. And it's because I don't have to spend a hundred dollars on every single component of the thing. I can spend a little bit less because I get them through my mom mm-hmm. and I've had training on like, you know, my mom's been always been big and she helped me figure out like um, teeth shapes and things like that. So I can make sure that like, you know, the canines and stuff are the right shape and, mm-hmm. and stuff. Cause you know, anatomy and all that jazz. Right. right. Makes sense. So I started getting more and more into that. And, uh, I started suggesting to people, you know, can I do, oh, I see you're doing a vampire. Can I make your teeth for you? Or, mm-hmm. oh, I see you're doing this character. And so I started to get more and more. And there's still some teeth that I want to do that I haven't gotten the chance to yet. Like, I'd love to tackle, like, a pair of Buffy teeth. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, some more interestingly um, shaped ones. Um, you know, ogre stuff. I've done, I got to do buck teeth for a friend because she was doing a Timmy mm-hmm. from Fairly Odd Parents. Mm-hmm. So I got to make her these big, ugly buck teeth and they're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, what about Dwayne Dibley from Red Dwarf? Yeah. yeah nice big overbite there. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so uh, I know that a lot of your interest is in things like the prosthetics and the fake teeth. Um, and what about, well, what about extending that to the faceless rose um, from the 50s uh, Idiot's Lantern? Um, I, I first started with teeth because I was, to me, teeth was easy, um, after and after enough time. But then I started thinking bigger cause that's usually how I work is mm-hmm. once I get something in my head, it's, I always have to build on it, build on it, build on it, get better and better until like, you know, it's always got bigger and better. Like I always get excited about that. And so I thought, well, you know, if I do teeth, I might as well do prosthetics as well. I, I want to do stuff that nobody has done or nobody can do before. And I'd like to start getting into less of the, the human, you know, simple companions and the doctors and get into some of the kind of really difficult nitty gritties. Um, and so I talked to Jeff and I, and I said, you know, I approached him with the weeping, with, I'm sorry, with the Rose project. And I said, I really want to do this. Um, and he told me what to do. So I, I took a cast of my, of my face or I had my roommate Alex help me. Cause you can't, I mean, you, you can't take a cast of your own face. Cause it's just, you, you have to have like breathing tubes put in and it's a lot of like, you can't see it on mm-hmm. yourself. So we did that. And then, um, I used a clay called, it's called plasticine. 
you get at like Michael's. It's just a non-drying clay. I think mm. just any will work. And you basically build on your the mold of your face. Um, whatever you want. If you want a nose, you make the nose you want. Or if you want the no face, you build the no face. And then you have to leave some space around the outside and you put little holes, it, holes in there, which are like keys so that when you take the cast of it, it doesn't all break. Um, and then you take a cast of the sculpt you just made mm-hmm. and you pop that cast off and now you have an uh, inverted sort of... Um, for me, it was a no face, just an inverted no face. And so you scrape off all the clay, mm-hmm. you pour what I use as foam latex into the mold you've just made and put your own face in there and you bake it in a special oven. And when it's done, you pop it off and you now have this prosthetic face. Um, so so I did all the, the molding for that. And I, I chose Rose because it was actually easier to start with something that was very, it was a lot of smoothing because mm-hmm. there's no features on it. Right. And I felt like I would start small and I thought this is the perfect opportunity because making like noses and eyes and, and stuff and wrinkles and pores is actually really difficult. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to try doing something that was very, all I had to do was get the right shape, get some vague eye holes and put some like pores in there. Um, and it ended up working out rather well. I made, I think um, Jeff ended up uh, uh, pouring the, the latex and cooking it. And we ended up having four different faces before I got one that was good to use because they kept giving holes in them like mm-hmm. air bubbles. So I have just four faces sitting around at home <laughs> with air bubbles, with air bubbles in it, but mm. I can't get rid of them. Like they're just these beautiful faces that like, they're not completely like bad. Like there's like one small like pocket, but like mm-hmm. you can always pour more foam latex into the pocket, smooth it over. Mm-hmm. So I still have like four faces that are good technically. Mm-hmm. And I just can't get myself to get rid of them because like, I think they're cool and you know, never know if I'm going to want to do Easy that again. again. Yeah. Do you have good visibility when you wear it? <laughs> Because uh, <laughs> I know from wearing monsters, that's key, and you know, I always know. I have zero visibility. There is absolutely no chance of sight when I'm wearing this mask. Um, okay. Was, I, that, was that poor planning, or was that... That was because there's no other way I could feasibly see for it to look right mm-hmm. and, and do it. Like, that's just how it had to be. Um, in the show, they used... Um, a lot of CG. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe a couple people had faces, but they didn't need to be able to see. And I actually had to have a tube for breathing as well. Mm-hmm. We had a, a, a tube, a plastic, like I used a piping for like a water piping mm-hmm. and I put it in my mouth and I had it taped and glued to my face and it ran out through the back of my neck and I had this face glued onto mine mm-hmm. and it was just for a photo shoot that I was having with, uh, with Kevin. And, um, uh, Afterwards, I kind of really wanted to walk around the convention with it, mm. rather have someone mm. walk me around because I needed people to see it, even if I couldn't see where I was going. So I had, you know, two of my friends walk me around the convention. It was kind of like, it was odd walking around for two hours without being able to see anything because I kept mm. hearing mm. everybody yeah. like, you know, whoa, that's that, would you see she's not a face and whoa. And like, you know, you did the dead body and you sort of like, you know, like you're being dragged and, and it was cool. And so I sat down and I had conversations with people. By the time I finally got the mask off, I had two whole hours of, like memory of interacting with people with no eyesight to go with it. Mm-hmm. And it was just sort of a weird thing, but yeah, there was no way to do it. I thought about cutting holes in it and putting in a mesh, but I mean, that would be seeable. I tried with one of the other masks to poke small holes into it sure. so that I could see through and it didn't work. I couldn't see through them or the foam would um, compress and that didn't work out very well. Um, and it's just that the foam latex is, is good because it looks and feels all like skin and there's not a lot of, like if I put glass in there and painted it to look like skin or something, mm-hmm. um, it would look like, you know, it wouldn't look like the foam anymore. Mm-hmm. 
So I just realized that this is going to have to be one of those things that's only for photo shoots or only for skits or, you know, if I want to wear it, I can wear it for an hour and have someone walk me around with it. Mm -hmm. But you said you had conversations, I meaning you could be heard through it? Oh, I could talk through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had, um, as a matter of fact, uh, like I said, I think um, Chris and uh, Chris Hardwick and Chloe, they, they did an interview with me for their Nerdist and I was in the, with the mask. Mm -hmm. And um, it was actually rather terrifying because I'm sitting there in the, in the uh, room where they do all the pictures and mm -hmm. I hear like this giant mass of screaming something and they're coming down the hallway and they come into the room and I like hunch into myself because I can't see I can't like really don't know where it's can they're and they're running around the room and they're and I hear Chris and Chloe and they're talking and then they run back out mm -hmm. and I'm like kind of a little scared and I found out later that apparently they were filming some segment where they had all the Amy's they could find from the con sure. running around and mm -hmm. screaming and doing all that. it was like terrifying I couldn't I didn't know what was going on yeah, yeah. so just hear this horde of screaming girls mm -hmm. and like I couldn't see anything so then they ran in they caught me and they did an interview and it was you know I wasn't sure if like it maybe it would come through or not just mm -hmm. because I, I I thought I must have sounded muffled but um people communicated with me well enough as long as I got closer to my mouth right so. No, I, I understand. When I was uh, Morbius, I was surprised how much people could uh, hear me through the yeah. the latex and the mesh. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Surprising sometimes, but yeah. Surprising, yeah. Not as good as the Cyberman, though. I still need some <laughs> kind of a, a voice um, amplifier for that one. Mm -hmm. um, so, what out of all of these costumes has been your favorite to wear? Um, it's really hard. Um, like I said, Kirk is a lot of fun um, just because I get a lot of uh, positive feedback from that costume when I wear it. Um, the Vampires was really fun. That was probably one of my best conventions I ever had. I So many people were so impressed by something that I thought wasn't that big a deal, but then I realized like, it's not something that people have easy access to, the mm -hmm. information or the material, so mm -hmm. it actually is rather extraordinary. But to me, it's just, it's not that big a deal. So it was kind of a, uh, I didn't expect anybody to really get that excited about it. I expected mm -hmm. there to be, you know, these people that are, oh, that's, that's a okay costume, whatever. And I got a lot of people that kept coming up to me and I made so many cool friends and it was just really like, that was a convention where I made a lot of friends. And, uh, it was, it's always weird because I feel like you go to your first convention and you make a bunch of friends there and then it becomes a point where like, you're going to all these conventions, but you're not really making that giant group of friends like you do when you're first or second convention. And so it had been years and I had, like, gone to one convention, and I made, like, a group of friends. Mm -hmm. And that group was the same group I hung out with at every convention. Mm -hmm. And I never really, like, adapted another, grabbed another group or grabbed, in, you know, a couple more people. It was always just that kind of group. And so for the first time in, like, six or seven years, I went to Galley, and it was, like, my first convention all over again because mm -hmm. it was a different world. And with that vampire, you know, it was, like, the first time I was getting – positive feedback because of of the construction of a costume mm -hmm. and not because you know oh you're 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 dressed as a really hot something girl or you're you're cosplaying this character that's uh, a you know very popular with the ladies or very popular with the guys mm -hmm. um which is a lot of in my opinion like a lot of anime is very like you know oh this you know character is is kind of like scantily clad and all the people love them because they're hot you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. as opposed to wow you know the teeth you made are very very impressive or like oh your face or oh this so it was, I kind of fell in love with that community that was more into the costuming and more into the uh, prosthetics and the making of it. So, um, do you find? I mean, that that's an interesting point that I certainly don't run into myself as a as a guy costuming. Well, usually, <laughs> guy characters. 
But when you when you are costuming certainly a, a female character that's popular or tight or scantily clad, do you find that that's almost a a negative experience or just a different experience than doing another type of character? Um, I I actually get kind of I, I find it like to be I, I mean any kind of positive feedback is always nice. It's always mm -hmm. nice like oh you know people want pictures and things like that. Sure. But at the end of the day, I always get kind of annoyed because I'd rather someone like a costume because of comp which is why I really like doing ugly things mm -hmm. and I like doing men mm -hmm. because I love getting positive attention for something that isn't because it's scamp scamp um, uh, scantily clad or because it's you know sexy or because it's a really popular character, mm -hmm. but just because wow, that person really pulled that off. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, like, expect that sort of thing. And mm -hmm. so, like, I actually feel a lot better about, like, a lot more proud about my costume at the end of the day when I know that I'm getting attention because the costume is good, mm -hmm. because the makeup is good, and because I did something that was difficult and I'm getting recognized for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I've done characters before that were not very popular, but they were important to me, and, like... Like I had, there was a video game, Final Fantasy XII, and I did a character who's male and his name is Bosch. And there's not a lot of people who like that game. There's not a lot of people who know that character. And so it was one of the costumes that I've worked the hardest on out of all my repertoire. It cost a couple hundred dollars to make. It took a year to make it. And it's one of my least recognizable costumes. I almost, I almost get no recognition for it at all. And so, but I would rather do something like that than where, you know, some like be superwoman and get a bunch of attention mm -hmm. for something I don't care about. That's just because I'm wearing a little skirt, you know, sort mm -hmm. of thing. Well, yeah, you don't seem like you'd pick a character just because she's popular. It sounds yeah. like you'd have to have some kind of like or connection to mm -hmm. that character, which makes sense. I, I think most people should go into that for that motivation. Um, but I know that this came up with some of uh, the other girls I've done podcasts with or, or even uh, Terry and that... There's kind of a, a thing at conventions where, and again, I don't really see this. I just hear about this, obviously. <laughs> I don't encounter this. But that, you know, if you're, if you're a girl and, you know, you're fairly young or, or good looking or simply in the, the scanty costume and, you know, yeah, you get, you get attention, but there's a, a lot of like a, a sect of fandom that thinks you're not a real fan of that. Yeah. You were pulled in by your boyfriend or, oh, you're hired by the booth or, oh, you dislike this character because they're popular right now. You're not a real fan and you kind of get dismissed in a way beyond, okay, you look good, but... I'm not really going to talk to you or something. I mean, did, do you ever run into that? Um, I run into that a lot for two reasons, actually. One, because I'm a girl, and two, because I'm actually fairly young. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the things I find myself into are things that you get a lot of the older Star Trek fans or a lot of the older Planet of the Apes fans or mm -hmm. older, you know, and whenever, oh, I like that, I, li I like Planet of the Apes, or I like, you know, Star Trek, mm -hmm. you get the, yeah, well, what, what was your favorite? And, like, people will start quizzing me like I'm in school because they don't believe it and you mm -hmm. know I, I have to sit down and have conversations and so I get kind of that feeling a lot a because I'm a girl and b because I'm so young and mm -hmm. so a lot of times when I do end up talking to someone and I start going you know breaking out references to you know like I said like airplane or you know Kentucky Fried Movie right. people are surprised and they're like really like you you know what that is and so it, it gets kind of annoying sometimes mm -hmm. um because I feel like I'm less likely to get pulled into, like, I'll, there'll be a group of people that I'm, like, tending to talk with and be involved in their group because I'm interested in what they're talking about. And to start off, it becomes hard to uh, integrate myself into the conversation because I think they just assume that I'm, like, some stupid girl who's just dressed kind of sluttily and has no idea what she's talking about. Yeah, yeah the Halloween effect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
it's definitely been something where I've been really trying hard to build a reputation over the years as someone who's uh, knows a little bit more than just like, oh, hey, look, there's an outfit I like, and I saw it on TV, and my boyfriend thinks it looks good sort mm-hmm. of thing. Right. So, yeah, but, I mean, wouldn't you say, though, that a part of this is a holdover from a mentality that certainly fandom used to be more male-centric? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, I'm not saying I don't run across people who are in their early 20s who are into this stuff, and that's great, but, you know, I would say anyone who's into stuff that's beyond their generation is more of an anomaly oh, yeah. than it isn't. So it's almost like that's awesome. Yeah. And that's great. And I think more people should. On the other hand, it's certainly not common and mm-hmm. you have to factor that in, I'm sure. And I, t- I do. And like with a lot of these things, like I say it is annoying and it does irk me, but I completely understand it. So like I, I, I can't hold grudge. Like it's, it's not even just a stereotypical thing. It's very, very like that is how it usually is. It's mm-hmm. very common. And I experience this with my peers that are my own age, Mm -hmm. that it's very rare for me to find someone who's my own age. Most of my friends that I've made who are as into all these old shows as me, most of my really good friends are, you know, 25 to Mm 40-ish. And ranging in the 30 is usually about where where it's at. Um, And you rarely find someone who, because at that point, it's just a matter of, like, did your parents show you you those movies when you were young because they weren't on TV? Mm-hmm. you know or you know you, did you it's just it's very rare it, it is and so i can't stay i can't get really mad because it's you know what do you expect right it's, it's a little frustrating because you feel like you have to uh, constantly reprove yourself but, mm-hmm. yeah. but that's how it is i mean that's so and you know, all i can do is just keep keep building that reputation and you know do more interesting costumes and as I do more and more, I, I tend to shy away from girl characters unless there's a draw. Like, I didn't want to do Rose because Idiot's Lantern is a very overdone costume. Mm-hmm. But I did want to do the mask because it was an easy place to start. So I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it with the mask. With the vampires, I normally wouldn't have done something like that because it is, you're wearing like a skimpy nightgown mm-hmm. with this giant, like, teased up hair and these bedroom eyes. But I get to do the crazy teeth and mm-hmm. that's fun. Okay. So it's gotten to the point now where, like, I don't usually do girl characters that are, like, skimpy unless there's a draw to it that's, like, a little bit of a monster draw or some sort of a costume challenge that nobody else has done yet. Because I mm-hmm. really don't like doing – I really, really dislike doing costumes that a lot of people have done. Okay. Which is why I don't like doing the Doctors of the Companions because I love them and I love the Companions to some of them. But they've been done so many times it doesn't feel special anymore. It's just, like, another one of those things. Mm-hmm. Well, and some people do it because they they just love that character so much they want to join in. Or maybe they decide, yeah, okay, a lot of people have done it, but I want to go in and own that. I want to, or do this one variant no one's done or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, different motivations. And that's where we lose the signal for this episode. Come on back next time for the second half of my chat with Amanda Winter as we continue the countdown to Gallifrey 1 with all kinds of good interviews with Doctor Who cosplayers, talking cosplay nitty-gritty. If you have any other ideas or suggestions, please come to me at www.costumestationzero.com and I'll be happy to address them. In the meantime, this is Bob Mitch signing off for Costume Station Zero. We'll be right back.